Looking back now on that career and on the whole art and craft of hurling, Nicky Rackard is in no doubt about what is the heart of the matter. If one wants to be successful, like everything else, there has to be a 100% uh, dedication to the job on hand. And uh, if you make a, an inter-county team, and uh, I know in my case, I always had a feeling, you know, that not alone was I playing for myself, which was very important, uh, self-fulfillment and self-satisfaction, but that you were, you had, you had, you were responsible for the dreams and hopes of every Wexford man and woman when you went out in Croke Park. You felt that always? I felt that. And uh, especially when those uh, tremendous uh, airs like the boys of Wexford and Kelly, Killan or Bull of Vogue would play up, the hair used to nearly stand on the back of my neck. And uh, it was an added incentive to do, to do the utmost to win for your county, for the honour and glory of your county. How did you feel that day in 56 when you came in in the National League final against Tipperary? Was it 19 points down at half-time then? 15 points, I think, we were down at half-time. Well, I, I, that particular day, I think I only handled about one ball, I think, the first half, because all the play was at the other end of the field. And I was so mad uh, at half-time that I, I just told all the lads off for the simple reason that I thought that if I got the ball myself that I could do something about it and I wasn't getting the ball. And I, I got on to the other lads and I told them if they gave me the ball that I, I'd, I'd try and do something about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gave them, a, it was a rather em, a, emotional effort on my part, but it had the effect of arousing, arousing uh, the rest of the team to a do or die effort that resulted in victory. It was the most extraordinary game, one of the most dramatic I ever saw, I think. It was, Mar, and it was a tremendous fulfilment. Well, when you, know. you, I think the first goal you got, you got from a 21-yard free, wasn't it, in the second half? No, I don't think it was, actually. I think it was a high ball that came in from centre field, and I took a run in. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, perhaps looking back on it, I might have fouled Tony Redden was in the goal. I think I, I hit Tony Redden before the ball actually <laughs> came in. I think that was the first, the first goal, like... Yeah. And then perhaps I may have got a free, I just can't remember. Well, I, I can remember you leaning over and practically putting the stick as well as the ball on the back of the neck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hurling, of course, is deeply rooted in County Wexford. Not far from where Nick Rackard lives today lies the Duffery, whose chronicler, Patrick Kennedy, recalls a match there played at the turn of the 19th century. Ah, what a charm, stronger than the sweetest Irish melody can throw over me now had the heavy, stunning sound of the hurley as it met the ball. On rushed the parties like the wind, one to speed it to the goal near the fence of the field on that side, the other to arrest its progress and send it back. A fleet runner of the adverse party, getting an advantage of three seconds, inserts the shovel end of his implement under the weighty mass, tosses it upright in the air, and meeting it with a vigorous sweep, he sends it flying back over the heads of the mingled forces then sets the confused tide backward as fleet as it came, with the exception of a few who may be considered as the corps de reserve, and whose business it is to guard the neighbourhood of the fatal wicket, through which, if the missive once rushes, the day is lost. Years day with our barry, jisting orone, our gentries were bibbrin, amzil kunustone, Yet muslar had behold it was by we tommy, at a bummy's luck was he pit to drive in. 
Jowd and mowd vlem, er chietta was a lock. Zit vapreen and shimreen, fanny daffer er scot. Zit blankeen and blaine, fanny ball was a drowy shot. Paul our aim was to use near a blow. Yesterday we'd a goal just in our hand. Their gentry were quaking, themselves could not stand. Such bawling and shouting when the ball was thrown in. I saw their intent was to give never a stroke. Fragment of a ballad in the dialect of the barony of Forth at the other end of Wexford. Still, Wexford man Nick Rackard gives the palm for hurling in his day to the cork man Christy Ring. Well, Ring was the greatest competitor I think I ever played against. There was no such a thing as defeat entering into Christy Ring's mind at all. There was never a thought of defeat. And this is why he was so great. Uh, you combine that attitude of mind with the ability to hit the ball uh, no matter what way it came and uh, you couldn't just beat the man and this is why he was so great whereas some of us less mortals you know that we couldn't we'd lose our nerve or something had go wrong and uh, it would throw us off our game but if he made a mistake it was an extra effort to come back to you know to rectify that mistake the, ne- the, the next time and to uh, you know to benefit from it I don't think I was a great hurler in the true sense of the word. There would be no comparison between myself and Ring as regards hurling ability. But there was a tremendous comparison between us in the, in the, the determination to win. I had the same quality as Ring as regards determination to win. And here's how Mick Mackey sums it all up. The whole thing about it, what you win in hurling, you win one fifteenth of it anyway. No matter what way it goes, no matter how good you are, you have to have 14 with you. It's not a game for a single man. No, well, no, really. And, and you can't be selfish in it. If you are selfish in it, well, you won't be long, they won't, long, won't be long finding you out, really. But uh, you, must have, you must have the 15, and you must have, you must have cooperation. And, I mean, when we were playing together, we, we, uh, I think we were so used to one another that we knew where we used to be, like, on the field. If you were going to pass it, you, you, know, you, you, you needn't look around at all. You'll, you'll say he'll be there. That's the way you'd uh, look at it. Is the game in the air or on the ground, Mick? Well, it is, it is really the odd state ground hurling, but there's, there's a terrible lot of overhead play too. There's, I mean, in our time, there was beautiful strikers, Timmy Ryan and those fellas, doubling on a ball in there. I mean, a high ball coming along. They'd never miss. Well, if they did miss, uh, to be surprised, really. We'd be surprised. But uh, I don't... I think the game has changed as regards defenders, really. The clearance some defenders now. The, the, most of them handle the ball now. Centre-half-backs handling the ball. When they, when they should be hitting it away in there, really. I think it has changed that much. Uh, the one, there's another thing, though which grieves me is you a fella coming out with a ball and you have no way of stopping him only meeting with a body charge. And if you do that now, whistle. Free. This is a change, isn't yeah, it? it? Is. Yes, yes. And I don't agree change. with it. I don't agree with it. You, could, you, you, have some, you can let him out, yes. at least. Mm. Well, I wouldn't let him out anyway. <laughs> Whether to be free or not. But I mean, if you hit him a good fair belt now, whistle. That's, uh, there's times that annoys me at me, and I don't get excited at matches, really. I don't get excited. Mm. What's your biggest thing? What gives you the most excitement as a game, Mac? Now looking. Well, 
I love a good hard tight game, and uh, where fellas, I mean, where they're hurling hard, where there isn't any dirty play in it, and where every man is trying his best. And the phrase, a good hard game, is one I've heard from many a hurler as expressing the sort of game he enjoys. It's echoed by David Green, scholar and hurling enthusiast, whom I asked why he places hurling so high among games. You understand, uh, I like looking at ball games. I even look... Uh, I even looked when I was in the States at American football and anybody who can look at American football must be considered to be an addict. But I don't think American football is a very good game because there's too much physical contact in it. But on the other hand, I don't like games with no physical contact. Uh, I think soccer uh, suffers uh, from that uh, in some respects. I think uh, that the pure skill of soccer uh, without any physical contact uh, makes it less exciting, less interesting for the spectator. Uh, we don't want brutality, but we do, we do want uh, a little forcefulness now and again. And it seems to me that hurling uh, has uh, what is necessary, of course, skill. Uh, skills uh, which are so instinctive that they require... Uh, a lifetime to learn. This is an important thing. This pleases the spectator when he sees these skills being demonstrated and, at the same time, a reasonable amount of toughness. I think these, thing, these two things together make hurling the best game played on your feet that I know. I say played on your feet uh, because I'm very fond, and I enjoyed this immensely in the States, I'm very fond of ice hockey, in, in which skates are... Uh, interposed between your feet and the ground. And ice hockey, of course, has exactly the same ingredients, uh, this extraordinary skill, which again uh, has to be learned, obviously, from the very moment a child gets on the ice, and uh, at the same time a good deal of physical contact. So this makes hurling, uh, I can advocate hurling, simply as the best game I know. That is inside my terms of reference. And the other thing, of course, which is also... Uh, another aspect of it, uh, as well as being a, a, a ball game buff, as the Americans would say, I am also, of course, deeply interested in our historic culture. And there's very little of her, our historic culture left, except the Irish language and hurling. By a curious accident, as you will know, Sean, uh, they don't flourish in the same places. Uh, where hurling flourishes, the language doesn't, and uh, vice versa. But nevertheless, uh, I personally uh, find it impossible ever to look at a good game uh, without remembering that this has been going on for thousands of years in this country. Not, of course, in the exact form of the uh, GAA rules, which we know are fairly recent, but nevertheless, uh, that this particular uh, demonstration of ancient skills isn't a thing of yesterday or the day before, but goes back as far as we know anything about the history of the Irish people. That makes it certainly the best ball game to look at for me. Yes, but what about the two traditions? The two kinds of goal, the two kinds of stick, the two kinds of ball? Must we settle for a two-games theory, almost a two-nations theory of hurling? Brother O'Kanyi has come up with an answer. It'll be all in his book, but he gives us a preview now. I think both games were in the classic game of hurling and that the seven centre field men used what is modern hockey technique. The other men used what is mod modern South of Ireland technique. 
and therefore the modern games will be spelt out to a large extent by which of these groups survived. And it is very interesting that in Britain the seven centre field men have survived and only three of the others. That gives you ten men and a goalie is eleven men in hockey. Whereas in Ireland the entire seven men at centre field have disappeared completely. Disappeared completely. And they have left you with fourteen men. And a goal man is the 15 men of modern hurling. It's an extraordinary fact. And it is the answer to a number of very difficult questions. For me, the two, three biggest questions after 10 years' work on this were these. How explain two conflicting traditions concerning a hurley? That's the question you've asked me. The second was a much more difficult question. How explain two conflicting memories regarding pulling on the ball? One memory was that you struck the ball right hand under and you struck it from the right hand towards the left. In other words, left-handed pulling was completely forbidden. Yet Michael Cusick insisted, not only stated, but insisted that this was a late development and that it had not always been so. And the third question that I couldn't understand, I have now forgotten, so it doesn't make much difference. But the answer to these two, I think, is that the men in cent at centre, centre field, the seven men at centre field, always referred to expressly by the old accounts, uh, those who wrote the old accounts, these men had a special type of hurling, the modern hockey or shinty streak, and they struck right hand under only, and they shinned one another. If you pulled from the left, you, uh, you were not only struck a man in the shin, but you were legally entitled to strike him in the shin, whence the word shinty. Now, the other men hurled with a boss stick, carried it on the stick, tossed it, as they said themselves, we would say nowadays, tapped it on the boss right down the field and brought it right up to the goal. And this was essential because you couldn't score from a distance because the goal was only three feet wide. And it was a very long distance away, so you had to go right up into it. And I think, therefore, that the answer to a great many of these questions lies in the fact that two different types of stick were used in the game. And, lest this may seem far-fetched, no less a man than Paddy McNamee has told me several times that he remembers, when he was president of the uh, Ulster Council, having to answer the question, would they, be an, would they be allowed to use two different types of stick in the field? So it's not at all as far-fetched as we may think. Hurling, a game full of history, full of memories. Memories of great men. Jim Stapleton. Tommy Healy. Wedger Marr. Skelper Kwan. Doric Buckley. O'Brien the Hawk. Sim Walton. Maya Norberg. Drug Walsh. Mikey Maher. Sonny Jim McCarthy. Sean Oak Hanley. Tom Semple. Gaffer Kenner. Tommy Daly. Memories of great clubs. Fogs. Tuberadora. Tumavara. Ahan. Blackrock. St. Finbars. Don Gourney. Tullerone. Mooncoin. Ballyduff. Mealick. Tulla. Castlebridge. Glen Rovers. Memories of great games, like the 1939 All-Ireland. The game carried its own electricity. It was Cork versus Kilkenny. And as the crowds gathered at their pre-match meeting places, men wondered openly if this was to be the last All-Ireland. War had been declared that morning, and the shadow of aerial bombing hung over people's minds. If it was to be the last All-Ireland, one man said, it was fitting that it should be between Cork and Kilkenny and something of the same thought gripped the players. They played as if men possessed, as if the spirit of those hurlers whose sepia photographs hung in Tommy Moore's bar 
had possessed them. Kilkenny lashed in two quick goals, and with that came thunder and lightning, which everyone present swore was the loudest and brightest they had ever seen. Then the rains came, and a man who had been in India said he had never seen a monsoon like it. But the game went on with an ardour and a skill that matched the heavens. Kilkenny led at half-time by six points, but Cork came out in the second half with the spirit of men who felt that if this were an occasion when even the gods commented they were going to match it. They drew level with a minute or so to play with a goal by Willie Campbell. Then came a Kilkenny 70. The great Paddy Phelan lobbed it into the square. A cork hand or a hurley sent it clear. Jimmy Kelly gathered and scored the winning point for Kilkenny. It had been a damn near thing. Now, different shouts from all sides rend the sky. Glory to one, to t'other, danger's nigh. With greatest speed, the goal they crowd around, where scarce three standing men are to be found. In dread confusion, heaped upon the plain, they stretch each sinew, swelled up every vein. These won't retire, the others can't advance. So, when Patroclus fell by Hector's lance, the battle thickened for his arms divine, and close around the Greeks and Trojans climb. One undistinguished heap they quickly made, and hero upon hero close were laid. At length, Patroclus' arms were borne away, which closed the actions of that well-fought day. Thus, by an effort, was the goal put out. Instant, the ear is deaded by a shout. Hats, wigs, shoes, stockings quickly fly in air. The victors to the beer barrel repair, where huntsmen-like the games played o'er again, and bagpipes drone, while all rejoice in twain. <laughs> 